Hey everybody and welcome to Healthy Discourse. It's Emily here today and I am going to do something a little bit different. Um, I've been talking to a couple of friends over the past week or so about getting ready to enter the last year of my 30s. So I'll be turning 39 tomorrow. I'm actually um, I'm actually um, recording this. Um, I'm I'm recording this the day before my birthday on June 24th. And so, um, you know, it's just crazy because I feel like so much has happened during the last nine years. And I know I have another year before 40 and I'm sure that God will have lots of things happen in that time too. (laughs) But I wanted to do a little series. I feel like it's going to be a series because I don't want these to be crazy long episodes. But we are going to talk about nine things in total. So we'll just do a few of them today that I've learned thus far in my 30s. So I heard a long time ago before I even turned 30 that 30s are a huge decade because so much changes, especially for those of us that have kids in our 30s. And we're also kind of entering that midlife season and so many things happen so much maturity happens so it's just a crazy time and so let's just dig in okay so speaking of that we became parents in when i was 30 so i had our oldest son adler when i was 30 and the truth is parenting is nothing like what i expected it to be and that's number one you know i think that most of us think that we are going to be these great parents and we're going to do all the things right and therefore our kids are going to do all the things right and that is just such a lie that we tell ourselves and people tell us like you know that people that you love and respect don't have perfect kids and that every you know the input is not necessarily equal to the output at least not in these early years of parenting And it doesn't take very long for us to realize how very little control that we have in raising our kids. And I think that I had a misconstrued conception that that was how it was, that the input would equal the output. And I'm learning day by day that, you know, parenting is very sanctifying. It helps us to realize how little control that we do have. And it it really does rock our worlds and our sense of control. And I think that God uses that to help us to become more humble. I really do. He sure has done that for me anyway. Um, And I think kind of going along with that is when we realize that, we also need to take that burden off of other parents and our expectations for them and their kids. Because there are a lot of parents out there that are doing the best that they can and doing a really great job. And yes, our kids still mess up. How about that? So if you have a perfect child, please send me a message and let me know what you're doing so I can make sure to, um, to, you know, model after you. And I'll stick with the parenting theme with number two here, which is that God only gives you the grace that you need for the season that you're in or the number of kids that you have. You're not going to have extra. And I heard that so long ago when I was preparing to have my second child, Hutch, who's five now, and people would, you know, would say, it's going to be fine. Like, God will give you the grace for two kids because I'm an only child and 
I was really nervous about what having another baby would do. I think I've said this before, even on the podcast, but I'm not a big baby person. Sure, my kids getting older and they're sass and the real parenting is difficult, but I really enjoy them more as they grow up. So I might be like the anomaly, but that's kind of how I am. And, uh, you know, I was really nervous, but it's so true. Like God gives you the grace that you have, the, the grace that you need for what you have, but no more and no less. And I have a really great personal example of this because Wiggy and I went from two kids to four kids overnight when we became foster parents. And we will do a full episode on our foster care journey sometime soon. And then those two kids ended up leaving us for about five months. And I can promise you that within a day, I did not have the grace for four kids anymore. It went right back to the two. (laughs) And then we had four kids again. And God is still giving me the grace that I need for four kids on a daily basis. Um, No more, that's for sure. I don't have any extra to shell out. Um, If you've got extra grace to to give in, in your heart, then... I encourage you to make sure you go adopt some kids. And on that note, I think, too, the other piece I would say, if you are considering foster care adoption, anything that has to do with with loving other children, do know that God will give you the grace that you need for whatever he gives you. He will give it to you. I can promise you I never in my life, in my wildest dreams, would have thought that I would be the mom to four little boys. Never, ever, ever, yet here we are, and I'm so grateful that he had bigger and better plans for me and our family. So that's number two, the grace piece. Number three um, is that marriage thrives best in really the only way when you are growing together in the form of a triangle. And if you're not familiar with that analogy, picture a triangle and picture arrows so at the at the top so picture arrows okay so on, on all of the sides i'm not making sense am i all of the lines all three lines have arrows on both sides okay so one side is your spouse one side is you you are growing closer together as you grow closer to god so you individually have to grow closer to god and then you will grow closer together And then that line at the bottom is what holds you two together too. So it's really, it's a really beautiful um, image of how God designed marriage to work. So as we grow closer to him, we grow closer together. It is impossible to grow in a marriage and truly to grow together with your spouse without him in the center. And Wiggy and I have story after story after story of the ways that God has grown our marriage, helped us to become closer together, helped us to humble ourselves and helped us to transform our hearts using our marriage as the center of that, but also using our marriage as the motivation and understanding of what that really means. So if you are just feeling like you're so far apart from your spouse, a great place to start is just to pray for them. And if your spouse is unwilling to sit there and pray with you, then just do it on your own. But even if your spouse won't say a word, if you're willing to every night or when you're in the middle of the battle or whatever it feels like, stop and say, we're not going to do this. We're going to pray. And even if you have to be the one, whether you're the, the 
husband or the wife, if you're the one that's always doing the praying, but your spouse is willing to do that with you, then do it. That's really important. Do it. I promise you that God will use it and he will soften your hearts and you will you will grow closer together. If you know if if you're ready to kind of take that next next step, study God's word together. You don't have to sit down and have full out conversations every single day. Wiggy and I generally study so we study the same thing together through our church which you know is a curriculum we we do in our small group. So this year we're reading through the New Testament as small group. So we're reading the same thing every day. We've also gone through a one-year Bible reading plan together, a two-year Bible reading plan together. So we're reading the same thing every day. Generally, we only have a chance to talk about it once or twice a week. And we will do that oftentimes on the weekends with whatever we're reading or something we remember from the week. But that is so fruitful for that growth together. The other piece in that I would say is it is imperative that you're involved in biblical community. So COVID has kept people at home from church probably more than anything that's happened in our recent history, arguably. And don't allow yourselves to sit at home unless you have a really good reason to be doing that. You need that biblical community that you can get only from the body of Christ more than you need anything else. So find a Bible-centered church. Find an amazing small group that's wanting to be involved with you and wants to love on you and wants to know all your ugly parts and wants to admit that they are sinners just like you are. There are those places out there. I promise you that there it's not something that's impossible to find. Grow together in biblical community. It is the best thing that both Wiggy and I have done both individually and together to help us to be encouraged, help to bring us back to truth, help to keep us accountable. These things really matter, and it is impossible to do it on your own. And I think way too many of us are trying to do that. Okay, so along with that, and something that our pastor Brandon and and Pastor Brandon and his wife Rachel are some of our dearest friends, and something that he says often, and this is something I think the body of Christ misses out a lot on, and something that Wiggy and I definitely struggled with, and and something that in my thirties I've learned is imperative. And that is this. You can only be loved to the extent that you are known. You can only be loved to the extent that you're known. And so in this virtual world that we live in, where we consider, we we look at everybody's highlight reels on social media, and we think that that's their real life. We don't see the real things happening because we don't know them. And I can promise you that every family that has just pretty pictures out there has things going on in their lives, in their homes, in their personal lives, in their marriages, with their kids. I mean, this is real life and we live in a broken world and we have junk. Like, that's just how it is. And so if we are trying to constantly put on a facade of whatever we think people want to see from us and it's not real then we are always going to be living in fear of messing up. And one thing that new motherhood did for me, as well as some great other moms that I was surrounded with, um, is to help me take away, again, that perception of perfection that I thought that I had to be. 
and they let down their guards. They let me understand their messy parts and their struggles and the fact that they yelled at their kids and that they get overwhelmed and all of the things that happen in real life. And it helped me to understand that even the people that follow God the closest and and that I looked up to in such great ways and thought and, and would just see, gosh, their faith is so beautiful. Their relationship with Jesus is so beautiful that the reason that I was able to, to, to understand that was because they were authentic and they were willing to show their ugly parts and to talk about what they were, what God was doing with it and not just to sit there in it, but to really be known. And so, you know, I, I kind of, gosh, I would say I was raised in a family that doesn't really do that. And so it, it's been a journey for me to really become um, open to allowing people to know all of the things and all of the parts. And I feel that I'm, I'm finally there. And I, I would say that Wiggy was even more so guarded. Part of that is just being a guy. Guys are generally more guarded. And as we've allowed all of those masks to fall off, it's helped us to grow together, yes, but to have that real community where I don't worry if somebody meets me in person versus what they've seen on social media, that they're going to be like, oh, wow, like she's a lot different or wow, like she looked like she was really struggling with her kids. I thought they were perfect all the time or, um, oh, they have a great, perfect marriage. And then like all of a sudden somebody's divorced, right? Like these kinds of things that we see happen when we are willing to allow ourselves to be known, we will be able to allow ourselves to be loved in such a greater way. So that that's a huge one. Allow yourself to be known and the right community will love you. So seeking that community is the and finding that right community is the one that will love you, including all of your junk and all the difficult spots. Um Moving on a little bit to kind of my my professional life. So before I had kids, I worked in the in the <laughs> cutthroat world of um, of recruiting, specifically with IT recruiting. And we had a lot of big clients in all the big cities. And so I would sometimes go and I would represent our company, and it was super cutthroat. And so when I had Adler. I tried to be a stay-at-home mom, and it lasted about two weeks. And then I kind of dug into all the fitness and nutrition coaching and, and, and that I had been sort of doing on the side, and I just kind of delved into that. And um, shortly after that, my business partner, Debbie, and I started Mom Sanity. And many of you know Mom Sanity. We, we offer um, fitness programs for moms that are real life, and then we also have a variety of supernatural supplements. And that all came to be during Adler's infancy, uh, before we started Raise Them Well even. And I sure had a lot to learn because suddenly I was juggling this parenting thing along with trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my career moving forward, knowing I was no longer going to work full-time in an office which that's a whole other God story that God called me away from my job when Adler was eight weeks old, literally in church bawling. I knew I had to quit. So I did, but then I didn't know, know what came next. And I think that I always had this idea of 
this grit that you had to have to start something new and to be an entrepreneur that you always had to just go strong, go hard all the time, and you can't give up and you can't rest and that kind of thing. And boy, is my perspective different on that all the time. And I think there's two major things from that that I will mention. And that is that true success is a result of our obedience to Christ. So let me say that again. True success is a result of our obedience to Christ. And you may roll your eyes at that and be like, oh, that's cute and sounds super churchy. But it's the truth. When we are really in tune with him and we are really listening and we're asking him to transform our hearts and to put our energy and focus where he wants it to be, he will convict us and change us so that we want the things that he wants for us. And I quickly realized that wasn't some big flashy career. And even in the businesses that he has called us to start, it's never, he, he's made it clear over and over again. He has me and them where he wants them. And that my efforts to try to create something that's not part of his plan will not be rewarded in the way that I are they are when they're idealized. And what I mean by that is, again, kind of like kids, like the more you put into it isn't necessarily the more you get out of it. Because I've realized more and more, especially as we went from two to four kids that like these years are fleeting and my kids need me. And yes, I st- I have helped my kids go to school and then I have help Um, I have a a part-time nanny that works with me as well, and I I see her as my helper. So sometimes I'm here and sometimes I'm going to spend time with one kid and that kind of thing. And sometimes I am away and working, and that looks different all the time. But I've God has really helped me to put those priorities in an order that helps me to stay obedient to Him and not elevate worldly, earthly things higher than he wants them to be. And for someone with my personality that I actually really used to be super type A, and I really don't think I am anymore. I do think that my personalities change over time. And I do think that as we grow and and wisdom hopefully begins, that we sometimes begin to shift in that way. So being successful is about obedience to Christ. And kind of on that note, um, being a strong woman is a result of grace, not exerting our power. Okay, so being a strong woman is a result of grace, not power. So in a world that loves to, to recognize power and to seek power, what I find is the strongest women I know are the ones that live grace-filled lives. They are the ones that are humbling themselves, that are putting others before themselves, that are building teams and elevating others and celebrating other successes. And I'll talk about that in a moment. We do not need to try to strive for power as women. And I'll just leave that one as that. Kind of on that token, I have become so much more 
abundance minded than I ever was earlier in my life where I felt threatened by other people's success or um, an award that I didn't get or a promotion that I didn't get and that kind of thing. What I'm realizing is that there is room for everyone to succeed and I don't need to be threatened by someone else's wins, even if it is my direct quote competitor or whatever that might look like in your workplace. There is room for everyone. And again, when we're seeking, when we're seeking obedience, we will find success. And it will, uh, it will often be flipped on the head of what the world calls success. And that's fine. That's fine. I mean, a lot of, a lot of quote, powerful women would, would peek into my life and they would say, wow, like she should be doing so much more. This could be so much bigger. And that's not wrong. But that, that kind of gets us into that comparison trap. Right. And and that's the last place that we need to be, especially as women. We do not need to be stuck in the trap of comparing ourselves to others, because once again, we re- we will we will compare everyone else's highlight reel to our reality. And so we're never stacking things up side by side as they really are. And on top of that, nobody wins. You are not ever going to feel better about yourself. Nor are you going to achieve more success by getting stuck in the comparison trap. It's not helpful for you. And it's certainly not helpful for the people you're comparing yourself to that you decide to not like because you are jealous. I mean, let's just put it that way. So on the track of comparison, I may make it through all nine today, guys. I didn't think I would. This is important, especially for all of us women out there. Okay. You listening? A perfect body is not going to fulfill your life. If you lose five more pounds, you will not be happier, okay? If you stick to X, Y, and Z diet, if your biceps get bigger, if your waist gets smaller, okay? They, you may feel a little twinge of success, but it's never going to truly fulfill, I spent years in that space of trying to achieve perfection, and most of that was before my 20s. But we can, most of us, understand and agree that post-childbirth is one of those times that you're like, what is happening to my body? And then I would argue also the stress that we had in our lives when we went from two to four kids, back to two kids, back to four kids, and then... The process of moving toward adoption over the past two and a half years is you literally, if I was going to be so obsessed with every last thing, like every with my body, the way that I used to be, I would seriously probably have to be in a mental hospital. So that's true. I realize and and it's been a slow process for me, but being able to feel strong enjoying exercise, enjoying healthy food. Yes, I mean, I love to teach women how to change their eating habits and to still be satisfied and to find the perfect thing that will work for them forever because the diet mentality is, it, it will make everybody crazy. And especially when we when we add enter in women's hormones and all the things that you guys have heard me talk to Jane with about, with Jane about, and we are going to be doing another episode on calories soon, which I think will be really great. So I've learned a lot about this from personal experience as well as walking through it with others. 
these it's very important to prioritize our health and what we put in our bodies and moving our bodies. Those things are so important, but they are not everything and they will not fulfill. The number on the scale will not ultimately fulfill you. It will let you down because you're not going to feel as happy and as excited as you thought you would. Does that mean that we should just like not care? Absolutely not. So please don't hear me that way. But being willing to accept the things we cannot change when it comes to our bodies, like genetics are a real thing. Now, I'm not saying again to make excuses, but to be able to accept, especially as we get older, like I'm not going to pretend I tell, I mean, my, you know, I, my skin is changing. The gray hair is everywhere. Like these things are actually happening. Right. But to be able to understand that with wisdom, like it, it, these bodies are decaying. We know that they are, they are going to age. Like that is going to happen. We can do all the right things to try to take care of them as they do. And maybe even slow that process down. And I'm not shunning that at all, but ultimately these shells that we carry our, our temples, in um they're not going to last forever <laughs> they'll be restored in heaven for those of us that um for for those that that follow jesus and that will be with him we're told that that we will have perfect bodies in heaven won't that be nice no more aches and pains you know no more wrinkles all those things but i think that especially in our 30s our 20s and 30s we put so much emphasis on our external appearance and it holds us back from so many things and so I just encourage you, yes, do all the right things, but be willing to get out there and do the things and play with your kids and wear a bathing suit on the beach and do it because we'll never regret, we'll never regret that. We'll never someday say, oh, I shouldn't have worn a bathing suit on the beach because I had, you know, whatever, flappy skin. We'll never say that. Okay. <laughs> I think I've been through eight. So my last one is this. Back to this, the, the parenthood thing, um, raising kids is hard, okay? It's really hard, and it's something that takes all of our, it, it takes so much um, effort and energy and, and self-control and asking for forgiveness and asking, and asking for guidance and asking for wisdom and and praying that God will use us and, and will change our God's heart, our children's hearts. Like it's, it's hard. It's hard. And that, that, that lack of control we talked about earlier is real. And I think that probably the biggest thing I've learned though, is that, you know, I am, I am the bow for my arrows and all I can do is point and shoot them toward the target of Jesus. I am not the Holy Spirit for my kids, not the Holy Spirit. I cannot be the one to change their hearts. I cannot force them into that. And I cannot be the one to save them. Can't do it. <laughs> so I think as parents, we try, we, we often get this kind of savior complex with our kids, sometimes even with our friends, with all kinds of things. We get this complex of thinking that if we try hard enough and do the right things enough, we get this workspace mentality and we apply it to our parenting. And the truth is, uh, no, we are not that. We are simply the bow and they are the arrows. And our job is to point and shoot as accurately as we can to and, and fill them with as much of God's word as we can. With we, we do a lot of apologetics at our house. We do to help them build their own biblical community, to surround them with um, friends that are also, also following 
Jesus and, and just, we, we don't have any guarantees though. We are not the Holy Spirit. And I hate to end on that note. That sounds kind of negative, but actually there's a lot of freedom in it, that it's not your job. Your job is to point and shoot and let God do the rest. So I'll finish with that. So thank you so much for for listening along. If you are, you know, around 42 and, and you've got something profound that you've learned during your decade of the 30s, I would really just, I'd love to hear it because I, I gained so much wisdom from friends and acquaintances. And I would love to hear, you know, your big truths that, that have, um, that's, have just kind of exploded during this decade. So thanks so much for joining me. Always we'll be back with more great medical and nutrition information soon, but I thought it was important to touch on some of these. I hope you all have a great day and I'll catch up with you next time. Mm -hmm.